Hey, my name is Frank. I'm one of the pastors. I'm glad you're here. I'm so glad you chose time out of your busy holiday season to come with us and to worship Jesus and, and to just understand what this is about. You see, I, I tell everybody almost every week that um, most of us got to a point in our lives where we realized we weren't really very good at being God. And I know for me, I, I walked away from church when I was 18 because I was convinced I was God. And I spent the next 17 years proving I had no business being my God or anybody else's, and I pretty much wrecked my life. And then one day I walked into a church like this, and I actually went there to make fun of Christians who were so weak they had to have a God, and I left on my face realizing that he was real, that he changed my life, that I'd never again be the same. And that's happened to many of us. We, as crazy as it sounds, the God who created us has connected with us. And we come back every week to learn more, to share more, to try to understand more and to tell him thanks. Because our lives have changed and we'd never, ever go back to being the way we were before. And Christmas is one of those times when you just sort of stop and you just go, wow, look at what God has done. Do you remember the anticipation you had for Christmas as a child? Do you remember that, how excited you got, how you, you just couldn't wait, and each day of the 12 days of Christmas just seemed like an eternity? In my family, we opened up one gift on Christmas Eve, and I can remember at the church service just waiting for that guy to shut up so I could go home. God has a funny sense of humor. Now I'm that guy. Christmas is full of anticipation, and waiting and for the celebration, but anticipation is not a child thing, right? I mean, we do it as adults as well. We anticipate graduation, we anticipate wedding days, or the day we get to drive, or the birth of our children, or retirement, a soldier's return home. You remember the feeling, the anticipation of that moment coming? Anticipation brings with it waiting. Americans hate to wait. Waiting reminds us that we're not in control. We're dependent on someone else, and worse, we have to submit to them. Waiting is a struggle with your desire to be in control. It plays out in waiting room, doctor's offices, airport terminals, post offices, labor, hospital labor and delivery, the principal's office. We don't like to wait. We like the fast lane on the freeway. We like green lights that turn right on red. We like express lanes at the grocery store, fast passes at Disney, and airline platinum lines at the airport. If you don't believe me, next time, you can do it tonight if you want. When you leave, wait for the light to turn green and wait 10 seconds and see what happens. <laughs> Americans hate to wait. But in order to wait patiently, in order to do so, you must really believe that what was promised will be delivered. In fact, our waiting is not so much dependent upon the promise, but rather the one who stands behind the promise. If we really trust the one who promises something, we'll, we'll keep waiting. Because we know they're trustworthy. We know that what they promise will happen. Our willingness to wait is dependent upon the trust we have in the promise giver. Maybe you're anticipating something right now. A day in the future, a day that holds potential for you, a promise yet to be fulfilled. The reason you wait, the reason you persevere is because you really believe the promise maker. If you don't trust the one who promised what's to come, then we'll just stop waiting and go do something else. So let me ask you this. If you knew 
that you knew that you knew that God had made a promise to you, how long would you wait? Would you have moments of doubt? Would others ridicule you for waiting? Would you ever give up? If you knew God had promised something, would you ever give up? Once God started to fill the promise, do you think he'd recognize it? I mean, right away, do you think he'd recognize what he was doing? Or do you think he, sometimes we only see what God does in hindsight when everything's over? This Christmas Eve, we're going to look at a story that's overlooked a lot. It's a story of a promise fulfilled. In fact, it's a story that took thousands of years to come to fruition. The only thing that kept anyone anticipating this was the fact that it came from God himself. It was a faith and trust that people had in God that kept them looking for a deliverer, looking for a Messiah. God had promised a savior, one who would restore our relationship with him, one who would take the punishment of justice for us on our behalf, one who would take our place under the wrath of God. Christmas is a reminder that God works on his timeline and not ours. He's usually slower than expected, and he usually does things his way, not ours. In fact, your opinions and your uh, convenience is not the driving force behind God's timeline. God is fulfilling to us his promise, but often we don't recognize it. We want a full-blown plan outlined for us so we can vote on it and let God know if it's okay. He just shows us the next baby step, and nothing happens until we take it. We're going to look at someone who waited a very long time for God to fulfill his promise. He's one of my favorite Christmas characters. You never see him in the manger or in decorations. His name is Simeon. He had an entire life of waiting for the fulfillment God was going to bring. He kept waiting while others walked away. Like all the Jewish people, horrible under the oppression of the Romans, they'd seen so much in their life, pain and sorrow and torment and problems all through their life. They looked for the promised Messiah to save them. Much like slaves in the South in the 1860s looked for someone who would deliver them from bondage, the Jewish people were in the same situation with the Romans. They needed someone to rescue them. They couldn't see their future continuing the way they were under oppression. The promise of a Messiah, of a deliverer, someone who would set them free, is what kept them coming back, gave them hope in their life. Simeon was an old man at the end of his life. God promised him that he would see the Messiah before he died. Simeon, along with an entire nation, dreamed of a day when God's deliverer would show up. There was something else wrong other than the Romans. You see, the problem with the Jewish people at that time was their relationship with God had fractured as well. They turned from God, and God had been silent for 400 years. No prophets, no word from God, no guidance from God. The Jewish people thought God had given up on them. Not one word from a prophet, not one message from God. Many of the people, the Jewish people, the wait was too long and they just walked away. But Simeon trusted God because God had made the promise. They focused on the Romans, but their real struggle was with God. They'd abandoned God and they were suffering because of it. Our nation's in the same state today. We're standing against everything that God stands for and we're arrogantly asking, demanding that God do something about it. 
We're soon to become one nation not under God, but one nation under the wrath of God. We too need a Savior. But the Savior God sent was not the one they expected. They thought their problems were the Romans, so they were looking for Rambo to come in. Their real problem, though, was with God. What they didn't expect was a spiritual revolutionary, someone who would deliver them from the condition of their soul. Forty days after that first night in Bethlehem, Jesus is brought to the temple by Mary and Joseph. They bring Jesus to present him as the firstborn offering to God. Simeon. There was a man in Jerusalem whose name was Simeon. And this man was righteous and devout, waiting for the consolation of Israel, and the Holy Spirit was upon him. Simeon loved God and God's spirit was on him. In other words, he was operating under God's guidance, not man's. He was given spiritual insight other people didn't have. He could tell what was going to happen before it happened. And it had been revealed to him by the Holy Spirit that he would not see death before he'd seen the Lord's Christ. Simeon knew that the Son of God had come to the temple of God. The promises of the Old Testament were about to be fulfilled and the New Testament was about to be written. Simeon went to the temple because God told him to and he was obedient. God promised him he'd lay eyes on the Messiah. He expected, I'm sure, a strong charismatic warrior to walk in the room. Once again, God's doing things differently than what was expected. And he came in spirit to the temple, and when the parents brought in the child Jesus to do for him according to the custom of the law, he took him up in his arms and he blessed God and said, a baby came in. Simeon was likely surprised. God's deliverer is going to have to grow up. God's promised one is a dependent, helpless baby. Nonetheless, Simeon holds up Jesus, and he holds God incarnate in his hands and in the temple, and he can't help but thank God and praise God that his eyes have seen the deliverer, the one that's been promised. He took him in his arms, and he blessed God. He said, Lord, you're now letting your servant depart in peace according to your word, for my eyes have seen your salvation prepared in the presence of all the people, a light for revelation to the Gentiles and for glory to your people Israel. Interesting that he didn't say, my eyes have seen the Jewish Messiah. He said, my eyes have seen your salvation. In other words, I now understand the mission, God, I'm getting it. I see what you're doing. Not only is he the Messiah, but, but I see now how he's going to save the world. He says, I see it all. I see the potential. I see the mission of this child. And he says, this child's not here just to be the Jewish Messiah. He's here to bring salvation to the entire world. Gentiles who live in spiritual darkness and the Jews who've been looking for their deliverer. Simeon blessed them and said to Mary, his mother, behold, this child is appointed for the fall and rising of many in Israel, a sign that is to be opposed. sword that will pierce through your soul also, he tells Mary, so that the thoughts of many hearts may be revealed. This boy, Simeon says, is going to grow up to be the center of great controversy. He's going to cause division and conflict. He's going to cause acrimony and strife. He'll be the center point upon which all humanity turns. 
Long after his life on earth ends, he'll be the most controversial person in all of human history. Buddhists, Muslims, Jews, atheists, agnostics, Hindu, Mormons, Scientologists, Christians all disagree about this man. And Simeon said it would happen. He's the center of unity for those who love him, and he's the disunity for those who don't. There's no middle ground with this child. He's either the savior of the world or he's not. He's either your savior or he's not. Not because he's selective in who he loves and who he chooses to save, but because we are. Imagine waiting your whole life to see him the Messiah, and you expect Rambo, and instead you get a baby. They're going to have to wait another 30 years before he does anything. God's plan is to save mankind, but it's on his timing, not ours. His kingdom's not going to be gained by sword and spear. His kingdom's going to be gained by love and sacrifice. He's going to make us live more and give more and forgive more. And it's a slow revolution that's going to turn the world upside down. Simeon had seen God's salvation. Simeon's seen it all. God kept his promise. Maybe that's all you need to hear tonight. Maybe if you're totally honest with yourself this Christmas Eve, you know that you're struggling with God. Something's wrong spiritually and you don't know how to fix it. You're full of anxiety and fear and worry and tired of pretending like you have everything under control when you know you don't. Maybe this year has been for you a very tough year of despair. Come here tonight holding on to the last thread of hope that remains for you. You see, Christmas is a time of celebration, but it's also a time for some serious depression and despair. Perhaps you came here tonight because you need to know some evidence that God is faithful, that his promise is true. You know above all else that you need a savior, that your world's not turning out the way you wanted it to be, and you think God may have given up on you. But he's not. Christmas is that promise. You're not alone. We're all like Simeon. Our lives seem dark and without hope. We've heard that Jesus brings hope and love and forgiveness and peace. We in some way want to feel at peace, peace with our past, peace with ourselves, peace with our God. But you keep wondering, how can God love me when I'm not sure I love me? How can God have plans for me when I'm not sure that I've given up on my future? How do I fix this pain inside of me? See, I just need a glimmer of hope. Your darkness is real and you just want to know that God's love is real. We get discouraged. We doubt God's promises. We doubt his timing. In fact, we just doubt God. We hate to wait, so we want some sense of control. The situation reminds us that we're on God's timing and not our own. And please hear this. Even though God had made promises to Simeon, it didn't come the way Simeon expected. Simeon expected an action warrior and he got a baby. It was only because Simeon was open to what God might be doing in his life that he began to see what God was doing. Whether you believe in him or not, he still believes in you. 
And I wonder if God is possibly bringing the answer to your despair right now, and he's working in your life in a way you don't expect or can't see. Maybe it's not at all what you expected, and yet somehow deep inside, something's starting to stir in you. There, there's this glimmer of hope in you that's beginning to build. I wonder how much God's going to have to reveal to you before you recognize that he's here, that, that he's working in your life. I just want to encourage you to be open to the possibility that God may have brought you here for a reason, a purpose, that he's working in your life, but it may not be the way you expected him to. You see, many people miss the Messiah because he wasn't what they were looking for. He's what they needed, just not what they expected. God works in mysterious ways, but he's always working. We want our life to be wrinkle-free, and he wants to iron out our relationship with him first. We focus on this world. He wants to make sure that we're in the next world with him. I can promise you one thing tonight. God is intimately aware of exactly what you're facing. God knows the pain and the suffering that you're enduring, and God's working all around you. You know you're not here by accident, right? God orchestrates everything. He just wants you to know that he's not here by accident either. Brought you here to meet him. See, Christmas is a reminder. Christmas is a reminder that God works through what seems to be small and insignificant things, and his plan unfolds in unexpected ways. Many have already decided what God can and can't do, how he should do it. Like a present at Christmas, they put God in their little box. He can't be anything they don't allow. God doesn't define himself, you do. Tell God, stay, stay in the box. Do what I say you should do. Be the truth I want you to be. Be the God I've decided that you have to be. No surprises. Don't expect anything of me. Just stamp your approval on what I want to do. Change your Bible to agree with me. Make sure that in the end that you save me if I need to be. But otherwise, go back in your box and be quiet. I'll call on you if I need you. But when Simeon lifted up Jesus... He proclaimed that God was too big to stay in any box. He would reveal, reveal who he is and he would not be constrained by human ignorance. Simeon met Jesus in the temple. For centuries, people had come to the temple to connect with God. Now God was coming to the temple to connect with man. Christmas is a reminder that God didn't come to earth just to hang out with us. He came on a mission a very specific mission. He was sent here to die. His mission was one of self-inflicted human-assisted suicide, death by man, but a death orchestrated, required, and carried out by the Father, and oddly, because he loves us. Simeon said Jesus would reveal the hearts of men, your heart, my heart, the heart of every person on the planet, not what you say, not what you believe, not how moral you think you are, not what kind of person you are. He will reveal your heart regarding one thing and one thing only. Specifically, what your heart says about what he did on the cross. 
Jesus would force the world to decide if he's a savior or not. Look around, he's good at it. We live in a world where people are more clearly divided about Jesus than ever before. God's word is crystal clear on creation, homosexuality, marriage, sexual identity, sex outside of marriage, the definition of truth, the definition of sin, heaven, hell, the only way to salvation. God's word is clear. Our society is rejecting everything that Jesus says is true. And those who disagree with that growing worldview are now being accused of a hate crime or racism. Simeon was right. Jesus would reveal the hearts of men, your heart, my heart, everyone's heart. Think about how crazy this is. Simeon's prophecy of Jesus was 2,000 years ago. 2,000 years ago, he held up a baby and said, this baby's gonna divide the world. This baby's gonna be the person upon which the entire world turns. What are the chances of something like that if it's not from God? Why would God tell us that in advance? And now I've told you before it takes place so that when it does take place, you may believe. We're still talking about this baby. He's still forcing a decision and people are still trying to shoot him down. Our world is literally dividing over this man in front of our faces. God wanted to make sure that we understood the mission of this child. He came here to force a decision point about himself. Did he die on the cross as savior for my sins or not? That's the question. So let's make sure we understand the mission. We're naturally born sinners, we're really good at it. We acknowledge our faults, but we consider ourselves moral people, good people. That's only because we're comparing ourselves to each other. The problem is the vast majority of people we know will not be going to heaven. We're comparing ourselves to the group that fails. It's when we focus our attention on God's holiness that the depths of our depravity and our selfishness and our pride become glaring. You see, compared to God, his perfection and his holiness, our sins are horrific. They're offensive and they separate us from him. We can't be in relationship because he's holy and we're not. Our sins separate us from God and we can't on our own become holy. And he can't ignore our sin. That's the problem man has, the problem with mankind. He created us for a relationship with him and that relationship is broken. He loves us too much to leave things alone so he sent himself as a gift. He's gotta bring justice and punish sin He's got to pour out his righteousness on someone. Came to take his own wrath, the wrath we've done on himself. Jesus, our gift at Christmas is an offer of God to die in our place so we could live with him. That's what Christmas is about. Our sins hurt the heart of God and they hurt other people. Yet God still wants a relationship with us. We've got to be saved from ourselves and somebody's got to take our place under his wrath. And God knows it's a terrible thing to be under the wrath of God himself. And yet that day is required, promised, certain, and real. There's a day in the future when God is going to hold every person accountable for what they've done. He has to in order to stay just and righteous. And no human can survive that. The 
mission of this child, the meaning of Christmas is that God would restore relationship with people by solving the sin issue that separates us. Jesus revealed himself to the world, but many, many who call themselves Christians have changed him. They made him more presentable, less offensive, more tolerant. Changed the truth, made him more like, well, the God they'd like him to be. They're trusting a savior that doesn't exist anywhere except in their own mind. Jesus, to those who know the Bible, wouldn't even recognize. You see, if you change Jesus, you change the promise. Jesus warned us about this. He said, look, not everyone who says to me, Lord, Lord, will enter the kingdom of heaven, but only the one who does the will of my Father. On that day, many will say to me, Lord, did we not prophesy in your name? Did we not cast out demons in your name? Did we not do mighty works in your name? And he will declare to them, I never knew you. Depart from me. You see, if you truly want Jesus, if you truly want to be saved, then you have to accept him as he claims to be, not how you want to change him. If you really want God's solution for your life, you got to accept him fully just as he reveals himself. And the great news, you don't have to wait. You can receive Jesus right now in this moment with no waiting. Do you know it's worse than waiting? Finding out you waited and you didn't have to. Maybe you've been waiting for God to show up and help you out of your mess. Never saw it because you weren't willing to take the baby step that he offered to you. Perhaps this day, perhaps Christmas Eve 2023 is the day, the day that you've been waiting for your entire life. A day like Simeon had when God's spirit revealed to him the son of God. He's not what you expected. Perhaps not what you really wanted, and you'd change him if you could, but he demands no such option. And yet you can't deny him. You know, deep down, there's something in this moment. There's something happening. God is revealing his truth to you, and you know it. And you know that it's true, that it's true, that it's true. God is inviting you and me to do what Simeon did to hold on to Christ with everything you have, lift him up and thank God that he's here to save you. Not sure of all the steps to come, but crystal clear on the first one. God has you here in this moment to receive the only gift that matters at Christmas. Jesus himself, fully unwrapped, ready for you to finally take him out of the box that you put him in and allow him to be Lord of your life. Like Simeon, you can leave this place tonight knowing that you can die in peace because you've seen the Messiah. You've seen your deliverer and you've experienced your salvation. You don't have all the answers, but you know the journey for you has started. No longer fighting with God, but now surrendered to him. Simeon locked eyes with Jesus. He knew the Savior had come to him, and he saw the Lord's salvation. He was the very first evangelist of the gospel message. My prayer is that like Simeon, you'll experience Jesus too. This is not your typical Christmas Eve message. It's not one of shepherds and lullabies and mangers and animals. It's one about the real reason why we celebrate Christmas. You see, you can't take the baby without the cross. Christmas is something because of why he came here. 
He's not going to keep you waiting because he's been waiting for you, me. I don't know where you are this Christmas. I don't know where you are in your life. I don't know if you've been stiff-arming God or you've been walking with him. You could be as close as you've ever been. You could be in a place where you're as far from God as you think you've ever been. You could think God has given up on you. You could think that God has nothing to do with you. You could think this is the best place to leave as fast as you can. I get it. Been there. But the reality of Christmas is that Jesus himself. God sent him to save us because we couldn't save ourselves. So I pray you've experienced Jesus in some way today. Pray that somehow, some way, that truth will penetrate your soul the way it penetrated mine. You can finally surrender, accept Jesus exactly as he is and allow him to transform your life. Let's pray. God, I thank you that you came. You didn't come just to be with us. You, you came literally to be one of us. You walked in our world. You know what it's like to be human. You know what it's like to be tempted. You know what it's like to love people so much that you'd die for them. God, we take you so for granted. We've taken you so far out of Christmas. God, this night is about you coming to say to change the world. And it doesn't matter what other people think about you. The only thing that matters is what we ourselves believe and trust you to be. So God, tonight, I don't know where people are. I don't know what they're thinking, but here's what I do know. There's a truth resonating in this room. And you didn't bring this message for no reason. So God, I pray right now as you move through this room, as you move hearts, as people maybe for the first time in a very long time open to the possibility that you exist. Would you just meet them there? Would you just in some way that they can't deny, let them know you're here? Show them what you showed me. Allow them to see what this is really about. God, I pray that no one leaves this room tonight without being sure that they can do so in peace. So God, you gave the gift, it's up to us to receive. Give us the faith to do so. We love you, we thank you. We ask it in Jesus' name, amen. You know, Simeon was the first evangelist. If you think about it, this is crazy to think about, but every person who believes in Christ is there for one reason and one reason only. Somebody shared the message. From the time Jesus left and went back to heaven and said, I'll be back, tell everybody, person to person to person to person to person. Think about that for a minute. How many people had to be faithful in sharing the message before it got to your ears? And what has been entrusted to you? Jesus said he's the light of the world, that he came into the world's darkness. And so we celebrate every Christmas Eve, we light candles. And we're going to light candles and we're going to celebrate together, but I want you to understand what the candle represents. The candle represents the salvation of God, the gospel message, what we've been talking about handed from person to person as the light just continues to grow.